0: This is a music podcast where we talk about albums from 1972. My name is Mike. JR is not here. He's uh stuck in the mud out in the woods somewhere. Uh, but instead, we have for the first time Madelano Martin.
1: Hello. Um,
0: he is a he is our good friend, and he is a musician and a songwriter, and uh lots of other things. He likes music. And uh we're talking about uh an album that I don't know anything about, which happens quite often uh okay. john prine diamonds in the rough I, I i only knew john prine at the end of his life i only listened to those last couple albums he put out and that was only because uh you know it's one of those things where you 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 find out about someone like later in their career and i i usually don't like to go back to the beginning i like to just when i find out about somebody i like to just hear what they're doing like now
1: mm-hmm yeah
0: and that's that's what it was with John Prine what about you uh
1: you know like the reason that because you you know not to pull the curtain back too much but you gave me a a variety of options of albums to pick from Mm -hmm. um or just artists I didn't know what the albums were um and I actually picked John Prine because I have always thought that I was supposed to like John Prine more than I do Uh um and because i I know people that worship him, you know and and think he's the greatest songwriter to have ever lived, and everything like that and Same
0: here.
1: you know, um I have enjoyed some of his songs, and then others of his songs that people swear by have not been my jam um but I thought, well, let me really kind of like give this one a go, and particularly with the purpose of a podcast, like let me really be listening to it a little bit more analytically and a little bit so and we did this. That we because uh again that's a pull the curtain back two times but we originally were going to do a different album that we decided we both mutually decided probably wasn't going to work out so this was a late change up basically yesterday right yesterday we decided so i've listened to it several times but i haven't had a lot of time to sit with it um so but yeah i i my thing with prime leading up to this experience of like really diving in on this one specific album is i loved I loved interviews with him. I thought he was always a very interesting, funny dude when he was interviewed. Uh-huh. Um, like, I'd love to listen to him, like, you know, whether he's on NPR or whatever, wh- whatever the thing was when he was interviewed. He just seemed like a really, really cool guy and was funny and authentic. But yeah, man, every now and then I'd hear one of his songs and I'm just like, I don't, uh, mm-hmm. I don't do this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I do. You, I mean, do you go in for like the country folk stuff that often?
1: Um I think I I didn't even really approach it as country folk because I don't think he was presented to me originally. This album is very country folk. Uh Um, It's very much in that sort of vein. But he was always presented to me as this great American songwriter. And it's the same thing like I had with Dylan, which um, Bob Dylan has some amazing songs. And then he has other songs that I just I don't care for at all. And I've always thought that that love that that was given to Bob Dylan should have been given to Paul Simon. Okay. If we're going to talk about American songwriters and mm-hmm. sort of working in the same time frame for me Paul Simon's like 10 times the songwriter that Dylan ever was um and so the thing with Prime is I know that from an interview he had talked about how he kind of got signed because they were signing anyone who was doing something Dylan esque right but the early success of Bob Dylan he's one of the guys that got a ride from that this guy swept up in that and then yeah. of course he was able to maintain it you know maintain a long career and everything because he Apparently he's a really great wide performer and everything. Yeah, um, and
0: One of the, one of the few like uh, folk artists that I, I mean, I'm sure that there's plenty out there, but one of the few that I know of that came out of a Chicago folk revival, you know, yeah. it's, it's either, you either got like maybe like the the Berkeley folks or like Greenwich village, you know, that's the kind of where you, and then you got like maybe some, some of the South, the country folk people that mm-hmm. came out of that area, but I didn't really know a whole lot that came from the chicago area like prime did
1: yeah i i i would have to do some research but i think you're right as far as just general knowledge yeah i i don't know of there's not a lot of other ones that you hear of because i think like most of them would have made their way like dylan from minnesota to the village mm-hmm, or yeah. they've gone to either coast but he just you know and you know the famous story of how he got famous right like who discovered him uh,
0: well, bob dylan or john
1: prime no, uh J- john prime uh, something
0: was- about chris Christofferson, right it no, before him? that, before oh. that, Roger oh.
1: Ebert, Chicago oh. film oh. critic, extraordinary Roger Ebert is okay. uh, before Siskel. I think is before Siskel and Ebert. And he was just writing for the newspaper, whichever one he wrote for, yeah. or whatever. <clears throat> and he was in a movie he didn't really like. And the salt, the popcorn was too salty. So he left the movie halfway through to go to a bar to get something, something to drink, to drink a beer. Uh-huh. And John Prine was playing at this bar. And so the next day, instead of writing a review of the movie, he wrote a review of John Prine's set.
0: Whoa, that's interesting.
1: And, yeah. And then and he hailed him as being this really great Dylan-esque, you know, like, but like a working man uh, Dylan, basically. And then from that point on, like all his shows at that bar were sold out. And then from that, he kind of got the record deal and all the kind of stuff. And it's all because the popcorn was too salty at the movie theater.
0: <laughs> well, that I mean, that's pretty cool. Um uh, yeah, I, I mean, I had heard something about how he, he kept, like, harassing Chris Christopherson to come see him, and then he eventually did. Um, but that's a funny story. And it's also interesting, too, that I did not know John Prine was in movies. So the it's kind of funny, a funny little connection there. A movie- Is John, John was, Prine in movies? Has he been in movies? He's listed as an actor in his, okay. uh, his musician slash actor um, uh i don't he's probably hasn't been in a whole lot you know he's probably just even played himself but
1: uh yeah i'm him up on on imdb real quick because i think that's a very interesting thing because obviously not as much of an actor as chris Christopherson, who became very known for that yeah. but um let's see here tomography so it looks like, yeah, it looks like he had just kind of bit four, four little bit roles. It looks like okay. three bit. One of these is a music video. So he was <laughs> oh, literally <yeah. laughs> <in
0: 2017,
1: laughs> waiting on a song. Uh, he plays Alvin Montgomery and Daddy in Them in 2001. And then Falling from Grace, he plays Mitch Cutler. I don't know how, but yeah, let's see. As oh, is, that,
0: is the Falling from Grace? Is that the John Mellencamp movie?
1: Oh, it might be. It, it is. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's nice of John. It puts John Prine in there.
0: Yeah, that kind of makes sense because I I know that John Prine also has uh sc- slight Indiana connections. Uh, some good yeah. Some good friends of mine. Uh, a few years ago, bought a house that was previously owned by John Prine's guitar player. Who, yeah, Jason. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, so yeah, I mean that's <laughs> that's funny that he's in that movie. I did not know that. Yeah. Um,
1: uh what is jason's last name jason Wilbur. jason Wilbur is yeah he still lives here in bloomington i think i think he still lives here in bloomington jason Wilbur, but he uh he's a bloomington musician that um john prine met one time and took a shine to him and then he was john's guitarist on tour for like the last 20 years or something of his life i think so yeah that's pretty yeah. cool connections <laughs>
0: um yes as far as i mean I, I'm I'm a lyric guy I when it, when it comes to like guys like this I really like to pay attention to the lyrics you know um, any any time I mean because obviously with country folk music you're the the instrumentation is very limited they're not trying to like show off unless they're getting into like the bluegrass realm mm-hmm. but um so i I really like that and and I mean I, I, I've never been a huge fan of bob dylan i know that he you know i know everyone talks about his like his lyrics are really good i'm sure i'm sure that they are but uh sometimes i i like i like
1: Counterpoint. they're not
0: <laughs> oh okay all right <laughs> um well it's 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 divisive but um but yeah i i really go for the more like i really go for the more absurd sort of satirical kind of stuff but, i mean that's why i've always been a huge tom waits fan and um and guys like that and uh neil fallon from clutch even though that's not folk music but just lyrics that are kind of like kind of satirical and kind of out there and not i mean and and that's with john prine that's kind of like what he was known for was was adding some humor to his lyrics even in like the sadder stuff you can find a line or two that is just sort of like oh well that's funny At at least he can make light of this really terrible story that he's telling yeah um but yeah, I and uh so we'll get into it. This is his second album, and you know, the critics the critics gave it that whole like s- that sophomore critique, you know, that is like uh no, not quite as good as that first one, or like, you know, like what happened? You know, you yeah. started you started out so promising. And I I I did hear a few songs from the first album, and yeah, it is a bit more polished and his voice. His voice is very clean, uh, compared to his second album where he he really kind of like he broke broke his voice on a lot of different things, it's a lot of a lot of warbles and a lot of screeches and to his voice. But I I like that about it.
1: Yeah, I think yeah I don't think there's anything wrong. I think it's just a stylistic choice because, you know, like on this album, it like it fits the songs. It's nothing like there's never like his voice goes crazy in a way that you know, it doesn't fit. I also saw when I, because I was doing a little bit of research before we started the podcast, Mm -hmm. that two of the songs on this album were actually written and recorded before his first album. Yeah, When he was like, before he even really had done anything, they were written on a, written and recorded on a reel-to-reel that his girlfriend's dad had. And so that's probably a big reason too why vocally those songs are so you know, unlike everything else, you know.
0: Yeah, I, and he, you know, he said in an interview that no no matter where he is in his career, and he you know, he'll do like a few like more rock and albums, but he said he always likes to come back, he'll always come back to this style because it is his favorite style to do. Um, just like an album that sounds like it was done in a basement or you know. Yeah. And and I, I think for him to come out of the gate on his on his first album with it being kind of polished and having that that sort of sound to it was the right move in order to get this one out you know and all of these songs because back then albums were coming out you know like one right after the other like you know maybe nine months 10 months apart from each other so a lot of these songs i'm sure were all like written at the same time he's just it was just a matter of how he wanted to record them
1: yeah so his debut album came out in 71 and then this came out in 72 yeah so yeah And then you had another one in '73. Yeah, year off '75.
0: It's it's those it it was that it was that era. Uh, We've covered some like uh, some some established country stars on here before. You know Willie Nelson and 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 um, Chris Kasovshin Cash. These guys would put out like two three albums a year.
1: Yeah,
0: And, and it was just like I mean they were just grinding. But then again, people were writing songs for them too at the same right, time, a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, yeah
0: yeah but prime writing all of his own stuff yep so i mean that was pretty cool uh he said that this album was done in three days for about 7200 bucks that's 7200 bucks
1: 1972 money yeah
0: uh, so that's about 28 now <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> when you when you add expenses yes yeah exactly yeah um but yeah um yeah we, we just get right into it i'll probably uh i'll probably be bringing up lyrics because it's a very it's a lyric album you know like you well know,
1: and like, yeah and that's the thing that he's known for clearly and i there is a thing that you mentioned earlier while you're bringing this up i'll i'll be for a minute yeah. um but you know he is known for having like this sense of humor and then also having like more serious songs that For me, like the songs that are overtly humorous are the ones that I'm not really a fan of. Yeah, Uh, the ones where he has like a little bit of alleviating the darkness on a more serious song, I think it's done a little bit better. uh, Or I shouldn't say better; it's just more to my my taste, my liking, or whatever. Um, Because like on this album, and I I don't know if you want to go track by track or whatever, I think it is interesting. You we keep talking about Chris Christopherson, which of course Christopherson is a huge. You know, when you talk about this genre of music, like he's one of the greatest songwriters of all time. And he also had humor in his songs, too, as well. Um, but there's a couple there's a couple there's a couple tracks on here that very much feel like a Christofferson song. It's pretty easy to see that Prine was a fan. Like it really felt like he was swinging for that direction. Yeah. The opening track could be a, a Dylan song. It's so Bob Dylan-y. It, lyrically, melody, music, everything is real classic old school dylan um so i i would be interested to kind of jump forward to a later album when he's maybe settled in a little bit and a little bit more like not not so much obvious of the uh the the influences you know
0: yeah i i mean doing this this podcast has really uh made me like like jump around on people's like careers a lot and like because i feel like just doing one album one album is you know that's the whole basis of this but sometimes you just you don't get like what that person can do or what they're you know you Mm. gotta you gotta you gotta jump around and i i i probably will do that with prime for sure after after listening to this uh but yeah it's funny that you said um funny that you said uh wonderful you know jump jump around or or go track to track this Mm. being your first time on the show you should know that we actually do do every track
1: okay cool (laughs)
0: i guess i i should have i i usually like to let people know like how this how this works uh beforehand mm-hmm. and uh uh just you know just forgot to we we're talking yeah. about we we're talking about beards and cpaps and you know <laughs> it was fine
1: all that kind of good stuff
0: but uh yeah right out the gate um track number one is a song called everybody and it's a little story about a guy sailing uh sailing on the high seas and he runs into jesus mm-hmm. um and you said that, what you said something about this first track here could definitely be something that you see. Like, yeah, I
1: thought it was very Dylan-esque, you yeah. know, um, because it also even the chorus is uh, the chorus is very I, I, just from top to bottom. It, it reminds it feels it feels like uh, it feels like a Dylan song, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's that. I mean, it's kind of like a it's an old it's an old standard adage about the whole everybody needs somebody to talk to yeah you know, the whole like opening up the troubles uh, you know it's a it's a classic theme and i i feel like the the story of of what's happening is is you know a bit more um interesting you know than the chorus itself
1: yeah, I mean, but even that sort of fictitious tale of, like, running into Jesus, and <laughs> yeah. then, like, you know, it's like, again and again, like, there's a humor right off the bat when he's, uh, and I'm trying to pull up the lyrics for this one, but for some reason, the internet does not want to have the lyrics for this song. Um, let me see if this is it. Um,
0: Genius, yeah. Genius.com is always a good one for me to go to. Uh,
1: Yeah, If uh, okay, here we go. Huh? All right, go. Hey. All right. But uh but yeah, like so in the very first verse where he's like, while out sailing on the ocean, while out sailing on the sea, I bumped into the savior and he said, Pardon me. I said, Jesus, you Jesus, comma, you look tired. He said, Jesus, so do you. So we get the flip of yeah. Jesus, like where he's addressing Jesus, and then Jesus says it back to him and the, the way that you would say that <laughs> as a exclamation of how tired someone looks, you know. It's very so that clever. Comes- yeah, it's right, and it's right out of the gate on this thing, you know. And so I think that's that's probably by design.
0: Yeah, that's like here's here. This is the tone. This is the yeah, tone of my, of my of uh, my songwriting. Um. Yeah. Um. You know the the line of any friend that's been turned down is bound to be a friend of mine. You know, it's it's kind of it's good lines like that mm-hmm. that are you know sprinkled throughout, which you know I like. And then of course he he says, uh, you know he skips out across the sea he takes off and and <laughs> i was <laughs> for some reason when this song first happened i was just thinking like oh yeah jesus is out there just sailing around too and they just run in i'm like oh wait a minute um he walks on water That's yeah. that's what he's known for right <laughs> uh yeah i totally i was like he skips he's mm-hmm. skipping across the sea what oh that's right the, the, yeah. thing, the thing that he's known for.
1: Uh, in that yeah. same verse, in the third verse, there is a line that I really like where the way he describes it, because, you know, in the second verse, it gets into like Jesus is talking about all these things that, you know, people's troubles and, you know, in the world or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but what he says on verse three, where he's like, uh, now we sat there for an hour or two just to eat in that gospel pie. Yeah. <laughs> like framing it as eating that gospel pie, pie is just such a like unique thing imagery and like again fun phrase you know as opposed to talking like you know we sat there talking about these heavy matters of the soul no you were eating gospel pie as like a way lighter way to say the same thing you know
0: yeah oh yeah and i didn't know i didn't notice the the first couple times i listened to the song but the very next line after that he talks about a terrible wind and lightning was Mm -hmm. approaching and that's when jesus takes off he's like oh storm's coming i'm gonna leave you to it yeah i guess Uh, and then he's, you know, I would be like, hey, aren't you, aren't you the guy that's supposed to like, you know, help out with these things? You're just gonna leave me to, leave me to the storm, I guess.
1: Well, again, part of the the humor, I think, aspect of it as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, track two, torch singer. Um, you know, I I've heard this, I've heard the phrase before, the torch singer. I don't, Mm. I don't quite know what it is.
1: Okay. Uh, well, torch singers are like ingenue, kind of you know. Like, I think if you think of the classic, like cabaret, like uh, club singer, um, sort of sultry, sort of uh, you know noir esque, if you will. Okay. You know? um, I think that you know, like, or maybe I'm maybe I'm interpreting it in a certain way. I think torch singing uh, is also like songs of love and loss. You know.
0: Okay. Yeah, this I is, mean, it's I one guess of those. Part. It's just one of those phrases that you know I've heard before, but I've I've never really, I couldn't really connect to like what it meant, you know.
1: Okay, the term comes from the saying "to carry a torch for someone" or oh, to keep yeah. in the light of unrequited love. So basically, it's it's that it's a song of longing, essentially. Someone who sings songs of longing.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, this this song it it is about uh, a singer in a nightclub. And uh, this guy, he goes to see the singer in the nightclub. And I feel like he, he, it's almost like the, from what I get, the, the torch singer's songs, like make him feel sort of even worse. That, like he's like, a. It, it talks about how he's a working man. You know, he, he works mm-hmm. the day shift. He's from Kansas. And then at night he goes and he sees this, this singer. And even though he keeps going back, every time to see it 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 doesn't really make him feel better it's almost like her her songs like make him feel even worse or maybe they maybe he i don't know maybe she empathizes with him in the songs but you
1: know yeah i think it might also just come to the, the thing of like you know sometimes you want you know you want to listen to sad music when you're sad yeah you know yeah. and that's you know, that's kind of more how i interpreted this too yeah okay. um as like that yeah
0: yeah yeah it uh, made me feel like the buck and a quarter that i paid to listen So yeah yeah that's uh that's like the repeating line in it um but yeah more you know more good lyrics in this um yeah the uh whiskey and pain both taste the same during the time they go down
1: yeah very emo
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> um another thing that like he's you know he's kind of known for is he writes these verses and then he kind of sticks like a repeating line at the end of them mm-hmm. so like unlike the first song that had like a very specific chorus this one is just verses that kind of end with the same line yeah very folk style
1: yeah i think that is something kind of traditional in the folk world
0: uh and then next uh track three this is one that we were talking about uh, souvenirs the one well no no this isn't one this is one that he he um he told a story about how he was on his way to play this play a club that had hired him and he kept playing like the same songs over and over and he really wanted to like start getting something new if he you know if he wanted to draw more attention and so he wrote this song souvenirs uh in the car on the way to the on the way to the club and uh, I don't know about you. I don't know about your writing process, but I I really cannot write lyrics to a song like on the fly like that. Like, like I, <laughs> you have a deadline. Your deadline is like fifteen minutes. You know, we got fifteen minutes to get to the venue. You better have a song. Like, that's not me. Like, I really can't do that.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know if I could I'd do it on demand. I mean, I have sat down and the songs fallen out. Basically, is how I say it is. Like the minute, like. Mm-hmm. like Not like not trying to do a plug, but the newest Spelta Lauda song was like that. It was just like I sat down, riff, lyrics, just everything came all at once. I'm like, oh, and you know, you clean it up a little bit, clean up the riff a little bit, clean up the, you know, uh, the lyrics a little bit. But as far as the general bulk of it, like it all, I basically, I don't know if I had in 15 minutes, I was just sitting in my room. So I probably, but I mean, I definitely had it in under an hour, the whole song basically figured out. And so um, sometimes they come to you like that. But if it was an on-demand situation, I don't know if I could yeah. do that. Let me ask you this. Do you write your lyrics in advance? And again, you know, you, you're in a punk band. You know, that's what I'm in now, too. So it's a very different thing. Lyrically, Yeah, it's it's not I don't want to say it's not as important, but it's just not it's not the same thing as like writing a folk song, you know?
0: Yeah, I I usually I will have like, you know, I'll have scraps of paper that will have three or four lines. That just come to me and then nothing else and then i'll just you know the the guys will write music to a new song they'll they'll come up with a new idea and i'll i'll find i'll find those lines i'll find a couple lines that i had scratched down and i'll insert those somewhere into the into the music and then i i build around it from there and Mm -hmm. i usually i'll usually like you know if i'm if i'm really working on something i i got something going i i can pace around you know my apartment or I can pace around like uh my office at work and and get a song finished like maybe in an afternoon but I still I keep going back and i'll I'll keep like changing things over the over the course of like a week or something mm-hmm. but yeah to, I mean I mean I could probably write a song in fifteen minutes on demand if I get somewhere but it's not gonna be as good as like this song souvenirs you know it's yeah. not it's not gonna be as clever I'm not yeah. gonna you know I'm not going to come up with lines like, uh, you know, they can't be one at Carminals for free. Well, it took me years to get those souvenirs, you know? Yeah. And I don't know how they slipped away from me. Like this, this song is, it's definitely, I mean, the theme is pretty simple, you know, it's all about, it's all about the memories that we hold on to and the memories that, that fade away, but to, to give them, to give them this sort of like uh, treatment in this song is, it's very good yeah, yeah bro- broken hearts and dirty windows make life difficult to see that's why last night and this morning always looked the same to me yeah very good you
1: don't th- think you could do that in 15 minutes
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah mine would be something like uh i i forgot to clean my windows today and other house chores yeah just go away <laughs> some dumb shit like that um yeah next uh moving along next uh the late john garfield blues um now i didn't know who john garfield was looked him up turns out he's like uh he's an actor from the the golden age Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, he was he was um i guess they considered him sort of like a precursor to like the method acting you know like he was someone that like marlon brando looked up to and guys like that. Uh, unfortunately, he his, his career ended uh, pretty young uh, because, you know, he was, like many other actors, he was brought, brought before the, the House un-American bullshit. And mm-hmm. he, you know, he, he's denied ever being a part of the Communist Party, but at the same time, he would not name names of anyone that he knew was uh, good on him. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he got blackballed and died of a heart attack at 39. Yeah. So um, definitely you're going to write a blues song about someone. That, I mean, but the song isn't even about him. It's just this this idea of the John Garfield blues, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because there. I was trying to piece together what this song was about just from the lyrics. Because this one is a little bit more abstract, I think. Like, I guess it like he's using the sort of John Garfield and the sort of tragic end or whatever. But it's like, again, if you didn't know that, it's just a real it's this one seems a little bit. Speaking of Tom Waits, there's a little bit of a Tom Waits element here where like a lot of them just are lines that are great images that aren't necessarily there's not this isn't necessarily a narrative, you know, arc. Um, it's just a lot of imagery. And then he does the thing that we already talked about, where he kind of ends each verse with a repeating line. You know, this one with like the John Garfield blues. You know, Um, he changes it from "They gave me these late John Garfield blues," so the next verse is "The odd man holding those late John Garfield blues." But it's basically the same thing, you know. Yeah. Um, But it's like it's it's interesting because it's like like do you feel like this has got a like a thread through, or is it just because to me it just seems very random.
0: Yeah, it, it was kind of random. And uh, in an interview, uh, Prine did say that he was a fan of John Garfield movies, but they always reminded him of of Sundays. Like he would turn on a movie on a Sunday mm-hmm. and it would be on his old black, and white movies. And he felt like Sundays were always the loneliest days in his opinion. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of just, he kind of tried to write a song where it's like he related John Garfield movies to sort of that that loneliness of like the you know the loneliness of of a sunday i guess yeah and
1: um that's sort of the yeah the overarching sort of vibe of it is loneliness for sure
0: yeah but um but yeah it is it is a lot of like kind of scattered images yeah you're right uh the one the one that i i liked the most was um the uh you know uh, the two men standing upon a bridge. One jumped and screamed, "You lose!" uh Just sort of this, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, adding adding like some levity to this like very dark moment.
1: Yeah, well, and then there's also the thing, you know, like this line in the last verse where it says, "The horses scream, the nightmares dream, and the dead men all wear shoes." I mean, that could that could just be a Tom Waits lyric,
0: <laughs> absolutely. Exactly, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely.
1: Who came uh, later than this, too? Obviously, you know, like, uh, you know, Waits started. and I wonder, I would be interested to see if how much of a John Prine fan Tom Waits was early in his career. Yeah, you know, yeah.
0: Because he was. around the same time, uh, this was like, you know, Young Waits was doing like his kind of sad, drunken piano man. And, yeah. Uh,
1: um, yeah. That's yeah, I'm just going up his uh, discography real quick to see what the earliest... So yeah, so 73 is the first Tom Waits album with closing time.
0: Yeah, and- closing time.
1: And, yeah. That and Heart of Saturday Night, Nighthawks the Diner, this all kind of like in this sort of vein of writing. So I'm sure he was like this came out would I say two years before that or a year before that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel like they he was, they're definitely like contemporaries. And he was he was definitely listening to these albums that are coming out. Um but yeah talking about like you know the the scene where people come from uh, you know waits being like an LA guy it it was it was always kind of funny to me to to think that he he was like this LA scene guy when you know you you would think that he, like his whole personality and vibe just seemed like more Uh, I don't know, metropolitan. It always seemed more like New Yorkish, like East Coast. Well, it's interesting.
1: I didn't know that he was an L.A. guy because I'd always I known that he was doing stuff in San Diego and Denver and Minneapolis are all scenes where he was doing music for a while. So I don't You mean like I guess eventually he wound up in L.A. or did he start off in L.A.? Uh,
0: I mean, he was born in California. He was born in uh, like Whitfield, California, which I don't think was too far from L.A. So I mean that's that's kind of where he was born and raised. And then, you know, he did a lot of he did a lot of stuff that was in that that sort of sunset boulevard area. Mm-hmm. Um, mean he held up there for a while. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know about the uh the the Denver connection, really.
1: But yeah, there's like there's stories of like he was doing I don't know if it was like residencies or whatever, but there's definitely times early in his career where he lived in Denver.
0: Oh wow. Oh. Um yeah. Well, back to John. I'm just wildly wrong about that, but <laughs> well, uh, back to John Prine. I I could talk about Tom Waits all day, but unfortunately, he didn't put out an album that year. So, um, sour grapes. That's the one that's next, and that's the one that was like very early on, like one of the real to real songs that he did mm-hmm. uh, was this one, and it does kind of have that like. Um, does kind of have that like early song sort of like feel to it you know yeah
1: it's very basic the lyrics on this one are the songs basic the lyrics are incredibly basic um <laughs> there's not as much wordplay there's not as much like sort of imagery as we've seen in the other songs on the album for sure
0: yeah and and this is like he he puts together like a very simple chorus that uh is a definite chorus that will that keeps coming back and um yeah, it basically it it is sour grapes. That's what the song is about, too. It's just uh ball on the nose. Yeah. A very uh cynical guy who doesn't want anything, yet everyone, you know, everyone around him is like, oh, but you gotta have friends. Like oh, you gotta have a job.
1: Yeah.
0: And he's like, oh, I don't want those things. Um yeah, it's just kind of funny. Uh and then Then Billy the bum comes up after that and talk about a depressing freaking story. Uh, this one, um, this one is about a guy named Billy and he's disabled, uh, from a a childhood disease, gave him um, uh, crooked legs, assuming polio. We're assuming polio, probably, (laughs) yeah, and and um. And he it talks about how he likes girls, you know, like like guys do, and unfortunately he he he's got no luck with them because of his legs. And then uh, the the chorus, uh, there's a line in the chorus which says, "Cried pennies on Sunday morning, laughed nickels on Saturday night." Yeah, just kind of show you that it was a guy who was he was full of life, he was full of laughter, but um, as it is like his his physical situation, uh, is, was depressing. And unfortunately he, um, you know, he became became a homeless person who was tormented by the, the kids of the, the town.
1: Yeah. Well, that line though, also comes back to like, as you, you know, since you let us know that prime said that Sunday felt the loneliest day to him, uh-huh. then that really puts that stanza in, in, in sharp focus, you yeah. know, so um, the difference of laughing and, you know, public and putting on a good face and everything versus crying alone, you know, on the on the Sunday. Yeah, this one is very straightforward and it's kind of um, it's a little parable, you know, like mm-hmm. it's in the chorus. There's a lot of, um, you know, uh, your bullets can't harm you, can't harm them nor your knives tear them. Um, but that third verse, it really kind of gets a little churchy. It feels like. Yep. You know, where he's like, uh, uh, "For pity, for pity's a crime, and ain't worth a dime to a person who's really in need." Just trade him the same as you would your own name next time that your heart starts to bleed. That's a great, like, even in '72, calling out like now we would call it like the the like the white liberals, like the you know like yeah. the performative liberals, you yeah. know, um, who care about causes but step over homeless people, you know. Um, but but in this, you know, he's talking about church folks you know um because so, the beginning of that verse he's, now some folks await and some folks that pray for jesus to rise up again you know so they're that's what they're waiting for but they're not you know treating this guy with any uh they're not WWJD, baby they're not no. doing
0: yeah so that the folks in the holy cloaks uh they never took billy on as a friend yeah yeah it's it yeah it, i i can i i see what you're saying it's like that's what i got from this verse is that um that you know they they talk a big game about charity uh they you know they might even they might even you know throw him some money or something because they think that's the best thing to do but really it it, you know like it says like pays a crime and ain't worth a dime so it's like your your money isn't you know your money is very like short-sighted you know it's 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 really it's really all about just like finding out who this guy is what he needs and what you can do to help you know yeah um yeah it's a yeah it's a sad story but it's a good one and it's also like one of the longest songs on the album too so he really like he really stretched this one out because he you know he had a lot he had a lot to say in this one
1: yeah well it also yeah it has multiple long verses and also has a chorus an actual chorus yeah. instead of a repeating line at the end of the verses so there's a lot more meat on this one for sure
0: yeah um uh then uh the, yeah then the very next one is the frying pan another one of those that he wrote yeah he wrote a long time ago in a reel-to-reel this one doesn't even come in at two minutes
1: yeah which is fine it's it's again yeah. it's, it's just such a basic straightforward it. it's like night and day between those two early songs and everything else in his career it's really like it's interesting that they included them on these albums um you know and again it's not like they're bad they go by fine but it's just like when you when you start breaking them down like we are you're like this sucks and like it's just kind of his woman leaves him I do like the chorus of this I do like the idea that he's like and I miss the way she used to yell at me the way she used to cuss and moan yeah yeah, they like I like that that's the things that he's missing in the relationship is like a nice turn you know
0: yeah that 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 line actually made me laugh too because it yeah for me it was sort of like uh, you know even even like the the things that you you don't like about someone or the sort of the animosity you have some towards someone like <laughs> even though this person is in your life you're in a relationship with this person like you even miss, you even miss those things when that person is is gone, has completely left your life. You, you like, you even miss that kind of thing about that person, which I thought was kind of funny. It's um I don't know. Yeah. It was very, it's a very real moment there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And the song is, it is just kind of straightforward. I do like at the, in the third verse, um right before he starts singing the third verse, you hear him start to like laugh a bit. He cracks up a bit in the studio. And yeah. I, I feel like it's because, because he, he, like, he was, maybe like he had the lyrics in front of him or something, or, or maybe he realized that this verse was the next verse coming up. And it was like a verse that had always made him chuckle. And there's, he like, no matter how many takes he did, he would always laugh thinking about beating up the next salesman that he came across.
1: Well, I, I think that yeah, but I think also more realistically, probably there weren't multiple takes. Oh
0: yeah, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. There weren't multiple takes. There's there's just this one take, and he couldn't he couldn't get out of it without like laughing, thinking about thinking about hitting a salesman over the head with a rock. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, these two songs, "Sour Grapes" and "The Frying Pan," very simple songs that I I feel is it's interesting in the way that he laid out the track list. Because then he, he sticks Billy the Bum in between these two songs. Yeah. So I feel like if it was me, if I was, you know, I was coming up to track this, I would just I would just put both the frying pan and sour grapes, I'd put them right next to each other. Just bang bang. There's two two songs like that. And then I would like end the side of the record with Billy
1: the mm-hmm. Bum. Well, that's an interesting thing to think about too. Like because we don't even think about sides of records anymore. Yeah. It, yeah, like that sort of sequencing. Yeah, that's an interesting thing to think about.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely something that that we we've talked about a lot on this podcast because all of these all of these albums we talked about were records, right? And and, and yeah, you get, you had to do a side A and a side B, and so you had to figure out like how you're gonna, what you like when you flip it over, what's that song that everyone's gonna hear as soon as it gets flipped over,
1: right? Right. And yeah.
0: it, and it would be this, it would be this next one. Yes, uh, yes, I guess they ought to name a drink after you which is very Hank Williams-esque.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Like, I saw on the Wikipedia that he had talked about, like, his songwriting partner, Steve Goodwin, I think uh, was his name. Yep. Uh, uh, told him if they would have actually put a chorus on this, they would have had, a, like, a hit country song. It's it's fine. Like, it's, to me, it's, like, again, it's so straightforward and simple. Yeah. And the couple of times where it seems like it's being clever or trying to be clever is not yeah. very clever at all. Yeah. Like, the end of each verse where he's like and yes i guess they ought to name a drink after you bloody mary it's like come on it's like you know and then the next one the name would be near beer it doesn't even make sense i mean like i think he, i
0: think he says tear beer
1: okay yeah. so he just got this one wrong okay well yeah, that makes yeah. more sense but it's also just to me that's like that's attempting cleverness and not really getting there in my book
0: and he didn't even attempt a third like after the... No, he doesn't the even have a
1: third one. He doesn't even give a... He <laughs> yeah. just give, Maybe he even realized like, yeah, this is not working. I can't.
0: Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, like the third verse is, uh, looks like I had my fill. I guess I better pay the bill. Yeah. When I started out, I only meant to have a few. Someone just said that you left town. I better get a double round. Um. Yeah, it's just like some some guy sitting in a honky-tonk drinking away his sorrows over some woman uh i i do like in the one of the verses he says yeah if this were to be our last date like um is he (laughs) i mean i feel like is he talking about he's is he talking to someone that he's like he's he's going on a date with now like that now that his like woman has left town or something or or, or maybe even this person that he's talking to at the bar, uh, at somewhere in the middle of this song, just got up and like left out.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's know. yeah, it's it's with the other two songs, uh, Lafrey, the the two pre pre career songs, as far as like not being like on the album. Like it's another one. I'm just like, eh, I would skip that it probably the next time I listen to it. But we're getting to this, getting to where I think the album really kind of. Gets good in the next couple songs. I think is where, for my my opinion anyway, this is like where, Prine's writing really starts to shine.
0: So yeah, so but yeah, at the you know at the end of that third verse, just be like uh, you know, espresso teeny. <laughs> I
1: like you like you're not letting go. I'm trying to move on to the next songs, and you're like, nope, nope I'm gonna come up with a bit for this third verse.
0: No, got to, <laughs> got it, got, yeah. to. got it, got. Yeah, I keep talking about it
1: yeah uh yeah um it'd be a martha wallbanger that's like a harvey wallbanger i don't know i don't have
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry we'll we'll let it go now no, okay let's let's start talking about the real the good songs now right
1: no more jokes. In my opinion, the next two are the, the best, by far, the best songs on the album.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. I actually wrote that down in my notes too. I uh, yeah. I was like, late in the album, the yeah. the, the songs actually start to shine. Um, yeah,
1: take the Star out of the window is absolutely fantastic.
0: Take the star out of the window. Uh, a song about a sailor who comes home from Vietnam. Uh, he's got a he's got a new wife. Uh, mm-hmm. His you know he's moving. I don't know if he's moving back in with his mom and dad, but that's who he goes to see the very first time. Um, the you know, the, the verses basically the verses are just kind of tells his story, whereas the chorus is more about him coming home and the line, Don't ask any questions about the medals on my chest, take the star out of the window, let my conscience take a rest. Yeah. Uh, this is this is a, a thing that you know many people have heard about and you, you could read stories about this. It's, it's a, it's a thing with them, you know, the, those veterans coming back and uh, just sort of like wanting to get past it. Not, not wanting to talk about, not want yeah. to talk about it. Just, they want to look forward and the whole, the idea of letting my conscience take a rest, you know, um, obviously these guys had had to do things that normal human beings shouldn't do. And yeah. so,
1: well in the first verse it's got such a great line and great imagery too like because they're kind of without saying that he's super young yeah you know explicitly he still says it like the first verse is I'll just read the whole thing because I think it's really oh, yes yeah. up, up really well but it was Robert was a sailor the Robert was a sailor for the best years of his life his captain was his mother and the ocean was his wife. Only fresh out of the cradle, life's one and only spring. He has sworn to do his duty and got blood on his high school ring. Like the blood on his high school ring line. Yeah, Like as the end of that verse as then we're going into the chorus. Like that's a line that grabs you. Because at first you're like, oh, it's a song about a sailor. And you're like, oh, wait, what? You know? So the blood on his high school ring really kind of like shows what a, you know, kid he was when he went. And stuff like that. And it's you're right. Like the choruses, again, are more... It's weird too because like the the choruses are almost catchy, you like melodically. Yeah. I and mean, it's California, Hello Dad and Mom, Ship Ahoy, Your baby boy is home from Vietnam," and then the part that you read, it's like very classic, folky, like sing y <laughs> like musically. Yeah. But then those verses is like have a lot of imagery that are like pretty pretty great.
0: Yeah, and, and yeah, you're right too because in that that very verse, verse, you don't really. You don't really know. Uh, I mean, uh, this talks about a sailor, and you think this is just like this is just kind of just another folk song, um, you know, a, a nautical folk song. It, yeah. And he doesn't even mention Vietnam until he gets to the chorus, so you don't really know who this guy is yet in that first verse.
1: But yeah, it's that's about perfectly because that that yeah. ring is like the hook of like, oh, wait, and then then you get the answers in the chorus. Um, I will say the second verse is uh, a little problematic.
0: Sure, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh
1: because he goes, so he traded in the present for the better times he'd seen and made an Oriental waitress, his own homecoming queen. First of all, uh pe- people are Asian, things are Oriental. Yes. Uh John Prime canceled. Uh okay. All
0: <laughs> <right>. <laughs> um now I yeah, I mean, yeah, I a little problematic. Uh i'm going
1: to put it right now to cancel john (laughs) prine
0: i mean i i guess you can give him a pass because it's 1972 i don't know Uh,
1: it was a different time it was a
0: different time you know i i mean uh you know just a few years ago i i you know still had to correct one of my parents on the usage of that word so Mm -hmm. you know um yeah uh just as a as an aside I did not know that there was a. Uh, I did not know that there was a counter term to Oriental. Uh, occidental? occidental. I, I, I just learned that recently, which. Uh,
1: yeah, look at the big know, brain on Mike. Still learning stuff at your age. Yeah,
0: it's yeah. good. I mean, it's like a word that I'd heard and I had no idea what it meant. I thought maybe it was the opposite of accidental. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, no, it's when you have an accident while riding your ox. So. <laughs> okay. That's an occidental. you know. Um,
0: yeah, I you know I like I I'm not I'm not afraid to tell people that I, I I'm learning things. Yeah, still. Um, but yeah, in that second verse, it's just kind of more about like his story. You know, it's 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 interesting. They're like the first verse is like, here's this guy, here's what he did. Now we're in the present, and then the second verse is like, okay, now we're going to go back to the past and tell you more about like like what this guy did and you know and uh yeah yeah he you know he traded in the present for the better times he'd seen yeah so i guess in that in that line the present was being at war um and then you know he's just kind of it's another one of the things where it's just like trying to put it out of your trying to put it out of your head just trying not to think about that situation um yeah very good song oh I, yeah, I wanted to ask you because isn't that me? Me showing my ignorance? Um, was there was was there a, a thing during the Vietnam War where parents put a star in their window if they had yeah, something?
1: Right, I believe so. Yeah, is like yeah. I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Okay, so that was yeah. like the that was like the yellow ribbon
1: of that the was time. The yellow ribbon of the time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah.
0: So he's still learning things.
1: <clears throat> the blue stars which stand for hope and pride uh uh were replaced or covered with gold stars which stand for sacrifice when family members died in action so they would have a blue star and then i guess that's how you let the neighborhood know that uh johnny's not coming home if you flipped it to the gold star
0: oh wow yeah Ugh. yeah that's that's weird that's that's kind of a weird thing to like uh, let the neighborhood know
1: yeah it's time to time to whip up some casseroles you know yeah it's, yeah. like
0: the, it's like flipping the like an open sign to closed i guess
1: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. uh or like uh, the the hinkle hamburgers here in bloomington oh, where you yeah. put the end off the end of open and you move it to the beginning so it says nope yeah that's that's how they do their open and closed so yeah. it's very yeah. cl- very clever yes
0: um and then the next song uh, uh kind of keeping with the theme um
1: yeah, the America sucks. Let's... Yeah,
0: the great the great compromise, uh, which of course uh, is you know it's the it's the thing it's one of the the things in American history where uh, it kind of started the three branches of
1: you know, yeah you know, it was, and, uh... it's more related to the representation how like our, our votes are cast and yes. and it sets up the electoral college it sets up representatives yeah. uh, for each district and things like that. But I mean, this one, again, I, I, it's side by side with the last song as far as being like peak level writing in this, because the whole thing is an analogy. He's talking about a girl mm-hmm. versus, but that girl is America. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, this is a little bit, again, like you have to do a little digging. There's plenty of clues in there, though, you know, like where it said she was born on the 4th of July. Uh-huh. But I love, like, in that first verse where, um, uh, you know, he says, uh, she lived in an aluminum house trailer she worked in a jukebox saloon and she spent all the money that i gave her just to see the old man in the moon so this is in the 70s so we just did the space race yeah and so you're thinking about you know that sort of idea is such a really really cool imagery and i think personally i think i really love it it's um again with this one i think the the writing is particularly strong
0: yeah yeah it's it's very good um yeah, uh, like you said, I when I first heard it and I was listening along the lyrics, I, I did not know about the allegorical thing mm. going on here. And so there you know, I kind of just just at face value thought the song was just about a woman. But but then there are all these like interesting things in there about, you know, the seeing the old man in the moon and the whole chorus about sleeping at the foot of old glory. Mm-hmm. And, I, and i was like there's got to be something else going on in this song and of course then i i look it up you know doing the research and i'm like oh that makes so much more sense and then when i went back and listed again i i was i was quite delighted with it then because then i'm like oh yeah now now i see where he's going with all the i mean there are some lines that like maybe don't you know fit the fit the analogy or or allegory quite right but are still kind of interesting to think about like the line she lived in an aluminum house trailer i mean thinking about that it's like i mean is are we is he trying to say that like you know america was was like raised poor or something you know
1: maybe i mean yeah that's the thing is like again and a lot of these are gonna you know have special meanings to him that maybe we're not gonna see the connections to you know yeah um and you know it's like it's like uh it's like the, the 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 tennis shoe just standing up on its toe and nope you know it's not for it's not to be explained it's just to exist and for you to live with you know um spoiler for the movie nope it's, it's a very tiny thing anyway uh,
0: it's no I I I recently saw the movie so that that's not that reference is not lost on me
1: yeah um but yeah so you know in the second verse we have uh more explicitly it's about Vietnam where it's talking about how uh you know she she uh, jumped in a foreign sports car you yeah. know yeah, um
0: that's where it gets more of uh, the anti-war sort of sentiment yeah, yeah.
1: and the uh, same thing then uh, in the third verse where it's kind of talking about his protesting the war and how people are calling him a coward because he left her at this he left her at the drive-in that night you know instead of going so and it talks about all the all the guys that are lining up in the bar room to dance with her you know talking about the draft and, and everyone volunteering to go and all that kind of stuff you know
0: oh i mean that's that's interesting yeah you you that makes more sense i mean to me i guess i i was like i was looking at it with more of like america uh as sort of with broad strokes and you Mm -hmm. know i I kind of forgot that yeah this is more about just the anti-war sentiment but the whole like guys like lining up um you know to spend the night
1: immigration. you mean what's that you mean immigration people immigrating to America like the American dream
0: oh no I I wasn't thinking of that either but that is (laughs) that's that is another like interesting like broad stroke that you can you could uh, assign to this but no I was just thinking about a more like um as being like like uh I guess I guess just like doling out like you're taking anybody's money I guess Mm -hmm. it's like I I found out like a greed thing like all these guys were like the corporations like lining up to pay america uh, to, to get yeah. what they wanted you yeah. know um uh, but yeah you yeah could, you could you could put that analogy on a lot of things
1: yeah which is why it's such a good song i think and then also specifically the chorus though just kind of keeps it back around to like this sort of disappointment of like you know the the great awakening of prime's generation that America is not as great as 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 we've always pretended that has been, you know, like, it's really like Vietnam, and then like the end of the counterculture era, that's all that starts to kind of, you know, the illusion starts to waver a little bit for younger people, particularly, but yeah, I used to sleep at the foot of old glory and awaken the dawn's early light, but much to my surprise, when I opened my eyes, I was a victim of the Great Compromise. Yeah, It is not only the the great compromise but you know but also the great compromise of our country on its ideals you know
0: no yeah in, oh, yeah and um i i know that he said he said one interview is about the song where he's like uh he's like i i love america i wish i could find it
1: yeah yeah i love america i just don't know how to get there anymore. oh i
0: just don't know how to get there anymore. that's what it is yeah yeah, and and yeah, that in that third verse, you know, when he says like, "I wish she was my girl instead," it's it's sort of that it, like of of all of its faults and all the things that he hates about it, like he's he still wants to love it, yeah, and yeah. like he wishes that it was, he wishes that, yeah, America was for people like him, you know? yeah, and that's that's I don't know, it's good that Well, that, no, it's
1: like it goes back, you know, or it's like the uh, the Michael uh, Moore. You know book dude where's my country yeah you know like that sentiment i think has existed for a long time and now we're seeing people on the other side of it you know want to take their country back or whatever or you know like it's it, that that sentiment it does not have a set political party you know <laughs> yes
0: yes yeah. um but yeah and after those after those two like you know great songs uh the, the social commentary uh then he decides to get silly and do Mm -hmm. a song called clocks and spoons um which really isn't about anything
1: Um, yeah it's a lot of wordplay that's just um it almost was like a nursery rhyme in a way
0: yeah i will say that i i do like the melody to this one just because Mm it i like it i don't know there there's a there's a bit of like uh happiness to the melody Mm -hmm. that i i felt like it it needed at this point in the album
1: yeah Yeah, that's good. That's a good note. As far as the placement of this is, yeah, is is much needed after those last two songs for sure. But I mean, I feel like it is very, it is very um, nursery rhymy. You know, like shoot the moon right between the eyes. I'm screaming, take me back to the sunny countryside. Clocks and spoons and empty rooms. It's raining out tonight. Like it's really hickory dickory dock. (laughs) It is. Yes. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Yeah, he is kind of like right in this this uh this nursery rhyme, but I. I do like the, the line of I I'm keeping most of me in sunny countryside or sending most of me. Uh I'm screaming take me back to country. This just the, the uh the refrain of sunny countryside just kept yeah. coming back. That was like I don't know, it it, it kind of gave me like a, a, a good feeling when I was like listening to the song. Just just that that idea it's that very image. positive,
1: it's very uplifting song yeah. for sure. and that's that's what it's about the whole thing is about that sort of positivity and being in the sunshine
0: yeah uh shoot the moon right between the eyes is is probably my favorite line because that's a very weighty line
1: it is a very weighty line
0: um yeah and then after that uh rocky mountain time uh another one that you know
1: like the billy the bomb kind of
0: yeah a little bit maybe it, it it's kind of like this bluesy song, this bluesy folksy song about traveling, maybe, or, you know, mm-hmm. just like traveling but without money, you know, traveling on on whatever you can get by on. Um, the hey, three for a quarter, one for a dime.
1: Yeah, I, it's, it's real, like, yeah, it's uh, it's very ve- vagabond esque. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: but this one I, I did write in my notes. This is, I believe, the only song on the album. That has a very distinctive bridge, really. Yeah, it like you do the you do the verse, uh, mm-hmm. the verse and the verses like all end with that that refrain line, but then right. when he, then when he gets to the uh, oh, the build the, the
1: cap on Main Street part.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it the the like the tempo changes, uh, the chords uh, change. It is a very distinctive bridge, which uh, is the only song I think where he attempts to do that, and. I, that it just kind of made the song stand out a little more to me,
1: yeah, no, it's yeah, I, I, now I want to go back and listen to it again. I did listen to the album several times today and and a little bit yesterday too, when we decided on it, so that makes me want to go back and check it out.
0: Yeah, you should and like when I to, to
1: say the- musically, the whole album is very like I know I started off talking about I was never a big prime fan.
0: yeah,
1: it was the thing that the more I listened to the album, the more it grew on me um which is not necessarily the great best way to judge music i don't think because i mean i think like because you can learn to like anything i think in a way um but like that's i do want to go back and listen to that one now just to see what that bridge is for sure
0: yeah when that bridge comes in it's cool because there's actually a little like electric guitar uh lick that happens during that bridge too that actually kind of changes it changes the feel of the song from like country folk to almost it almost gives it sort of like a like a rock vibe, but yeah. um just in that one part, and and yeah musically throughout the album, yeah you do have you have some a lot of good bluegrass elements to it, and uh, the guys playing on the album are are good. There no one's like really trying to show off like it, the lyrics. Yeah, take oh, the, tasteful.
1: very tasteful.
0: Yeah, yeah. The lyrics take the main stage, um, but yeah, the like the line re- uh, in that. In that uh, the bridge, which I think is like the, the best lyrics on on the song, you know, we'll, we'll build us a castle on Main Street and pretend that we're down on the farm. We'll hold out as long as we have to, then we'll twist each other's arm. Uh, and then Christ, I'm so mixed up and lonely, can't even make friends with my brain. I really like that line. Uh, I'm too young to be where I'm going and too old to go back again uh yeah Yeah. it's got that vagabond thing yeah the 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 whole like
1: two yeah because the rest of the song that i agree those lyrically that is the strongest part of the song because the rest of the song is just kind of describing how broke he is he's at the train station he's at a restaurant he's broke you know like that bridge is definitely like lyrically the strongest section for sure
0: yeah like it takes you it takes you out of the song just for a minute to kind of like to show you like uh i don't know give it like a bit more realism instead of just sort of this character this,
1: yeah
0: or an illustration of a character but yeah the clock played drums and i hummed the sax don't uh, we all <laughs> uh interesting enough no saxophone on this album
1: yeah <laughs> well it's because he's humming it like yeah he had a saxophone he wouldn't would to hum it <laughs>
0: Uh, and then he closes it out with uh, the the title track, which is very simple. It's it's basically just a gospel hymn, no music, uh, it's just a duet with him and AP Carter, who was the basically the the patriarch of the Carter family. Yeah. Uh, and they just do they just do a nice little um, harmony, just kind of uh, about some basically about uh finding jesus uh, before you die and realizing that everything is going to be okay because, yeah, isn't
1: it written by ap carter isn't this a cover oh uh, it
0: may be i don't know
1: yeah, um maybe. yeah so originally recorded by the carter family okay yeah um so it's not yeah so um. like ap carter's not on it ap carter was just the right of the person who wrote it oh. so it was sung by prine his brother dave and and goodman
0: oh you're right you're right he's because i uh, looking now in the in the personnel like yeah ap carter's not there so yeah
1: yeah uh i would not have ended the right re- i would not have included this on the record because i don't think they're strong enough singers to carry this yeah um it's there's a thing with that sort of purely acapella Appalachian gospel stuff like yeah. like and again nothing against those three guys it's just like, like it's a little dirgy <laughs> the way yeah. that they did yeah you know um there's yeah. no soaring then, parts you know there,
0: there is something to say too about someone like john prine and steve goodman and these guys but both of them being chicago guys and wanting to wanting to you know get into that Appalachian style and getting to bluegrass which is is fine you right you right Music, you know but writing music in that style but there is something to say about wanting to do like a like a true appalachian cover song you know that is yeah. that's just all voices no music when when you're not like you're i don't know you're not really from the area you're not you don't have the voices like these people did you know that yeah. that they they worked on these they worked on these harmonies
1: it's appropriation. It's like they were, they, yeah. were, they were wearing in face and that's yeah. not cool. And now I'm going to cancel them again. I'm, I'm cancel them <laughs> two times. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. I will. Yeah. I, I think you're right. It, you probably, the song probably shouldn't have been there uh, even to, to name the album after this cover song, yeah. which is quite interesting too. Uh, I, I feel like he could have named, he couldn't name the album if you're gonna take another song off here uh you know why not call the album you know the the great compromise you know where right
1: yeah yeah i i mean again i guess also diamonds in the rough also does speak to the fact that we got two songs on there that were recorded when he was way younger Mm -hmm. they're basically almost demo style really that were just thrown on there um so yeah but all in all, I would say that this—I mean, I—I I always respected John Prine. I just didn't care for him, you know, much yeah. of his stuff. I yeah. mean, Angel and yeah. Montgomery is great. Couple, you know, a couple songs. You know, uh, In Spite of Ourselves is a great song. Like he's had great songs. Wow. Um, But uh, like this is like okay. Like this makes me think that probably on every John Prine album, there's going to be two songs that I really like. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> yeah. the, one of us take the star Out of the window and the great compromise and uh that's what that's my overall feeling after listening to this album
0: ah well okay yeah that's that i i would agree with you uh completely about that it it does make me want to go listen to more john prine now though like just now like concentrating on his lyrics just on this one album makes me want to go find like uh you know better lyrics from him because i know it's probably out there
1: yeah i mean that's the thing is like man i I don't know like again i keep coming back to when people are like you got this song's amazing a big john price that everybody talks about is hello in there yeah okay and it's it's just (laughs) it's it's a song it's like i do not understand why people think it's so amazing it's just like
0: and and again with these songwriters like these guys guys like him were just able to crank them crank out so much material that you're just sort of like it's a lot, it's a lot to sift through. If you want to be yeah. you want to become like an overnight John Prine fan, like good luck. Cause it's there's so much stuff to sift through. Uh,
1: yeah, I feel like well, I would say that he's he's someone that like a greatest hits definitely is a good move yeah, to go yeah.
0: with. but gonna, yeah, also indulge. a lot
1: of the songs of the people would put on the greatest hits albums are not ones that I would particularly care for. Like I I I, I would I would be doubtful that uh, um, take the star out of the window is is on a greatest hits i would be very surprised if that one's on a greatest hits yeah yeah
0: um well the one of the last things uh the accolades for this like i said the the critics um critics liked it they they didn't like it as much as his debut album uh but it did get on the billboard pop charts it hit 148 actually which um yeah it it broke the 200 on the charts yeah. when it first debuted he didn't have a single um but yeah so that's it that's uh that's diamonds in the rough basically there you go uh yeah it. hey hey thanks a lot matt uh for coming on and, and doing the show and yeah. and usually our sign off is happy 50th birthday but i know yeah. that you just had one and it was your happy 49th birthday. That's well,
1: correct. I'm, I'm almost half a cinch myself. Almost- I look forward to the dedicated episode about me next year.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, Cool, man. Well, hey, thanks a lot. And yeah, we'll see you again. All right.
1: Um, Sounds good.